When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, awesomes, and welcome back to another installment in our Extra Awesome series. You know, from time to time, we take a break from our regular programming to talk to people who are doing awesome things in this world. And I am so excited to welcome back to Sorta Awesome this week, Erin Odom. You all have heard from Erin a couple of times on Sorta Awesome. In fact, Erin, three years ago when Sorta Awesome was launching, you were our very first guest on Sorta Awesome. (laughs) I can't believe it's been three years, girl. I just can't believe it. I know. We are celebrating all this month because three years of Sorta Awesome is a lot of awesome to celebrate. Just as a reminder, Erin is the founder of The Humbled Homemaker. It's a blog dedicated to grace-filled living designed to equip and encourage mothers in the trenches. Erin is also the author of More Than Just Making It, Hope for the Heart of the Financially Frustrated, which came out last year. And Erin, you are back today to talk about your brand new book release, which is coming out today. The book is called You Can Stay Home with Your Kids, and it is 100 tips, tricks, and ways to make it work on a budget. So first of all, welcome back to Sorta Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. Okay, I have to ask you this. I know you as Megan from years and years ago, but I know the story of how you changed your name to Meg. Yes, yes. And I am I am so excited for you. I, I heard your whole testimony the other day yes. on one of the recent shows. So girl, do you want me to call you Meg or Megan? Meg <laughs> is great, but I listen, I do not get offended in any way, shape, or form when people call me Megan. Of course. It's just, you know, it's old habit. Like very few people in my own family will call me Meg. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Okay, girl. <laughs> well, Meg slash Megan, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Okay, I am so excited to talk about this book because as you and I were talking about off mic before we started recording, this book, yes, it is definitely for anybody who's like, you know, I'd really I really feel this pull to stay home with my kids. I don't know if we can make it work financially. Yes, 100%, it's for you. But as I was reading through it, I was like, "Dang, this is filled with good financial inspiration, no matter what your financial goals are for your family." So, I am so excited to talk about it. Let's let's just start a little bit by talking about how this book came into being. Your first book, More Than Just Making It, really speaks to and kind of tells your story, your family's story of going through some significant financial frustrations. But you also wove into that book lots of little practical tips along the way. So is You Can Stay Home With Your Kids, is it kind of like born out of that first book? Well, the books came together. I I wrote the proposal for more than just making it. And then the publisher said, would you also write this other book? And they actually named it and everything. They based it on a blog post I wrote in October of 2012. So a long time ago. 
I wrote a blog post called Staying at Home with Your Kids When You Can Barely Afford It. And so at first, that was going to be the name of the book. And they changed it to You Can Stay Home with Your Kids. And so basically, they said, okay, you wrote your memoir that was also like the, the middle of my memoir was uh, practical tips, but they, it was more long form. And so they said, would you write a book that is like very short, easily digestible, um, very tangible takeaways for the reader, like give them some action steps. Yes. And so I said, sure. So basically, you know, I grew up with all of these frugal living tips. And so for me, it was hard to wrap my mind around. And it still is that some people did not grow up in very frugal families. Totally. And coming into adulthood, they don't really know ways to curb spending and save money. Um, and so for me, these are things I just grew up with. Now, there is a chapter in the book called Creating More Income, and I didn't grow up with that. I had to learn how to create income. My mom was a full-time stay-at-home mom who did not make any income from the time I was two on. And so, um, you know, my heart behind it, it's called You Can Stay Home With Your Kids. And so I do address the mom in the book who either desperately wants to continue staying at home, even though finances are really tight and she's not sure how in the world she can continue to stay at home. Um, but really if you are called to be in the workforce, you can learn a lot from this book too, of just how you can make more margin so that you can, when you are home, feel like you could spend more time with your family instead of stressing over the bills. Yes, totally. I love, as I was looking through this book, I was just thinking, you know, truly, Every family, every person, you know, whether you're married and whether you have kids or not, all of us, finances and how we manage our money, it's a huge part of life. And all of us have different financial goals. So yes, for some people, it's going to be um, having a mom who stays at home. But for other people, it may be, you know, we want to be able to give more of our income that we're bringing in. We want to be able to give it to causes that we believe in or ministries that we're connected to. Other people may feel like, okay, we want to save for our kids' college, or we want to save and do a huge vacation. Like we all have these financial things that we want to try to make work. And we all are working. Most of us are working with a limited amount of money. And we need mm -hmm. to figure out how to make this budgeting thing work. And you have just filled up the pages of this book with all kinds of truly, it, the subtitle is tips and tricks. And really, there are so many in here. I would love to hear, Erin, what do you think are the tips that people, as you have shared these on your blog through the years and kind of worked them into your first book, what are some of the tips that people are like the most surprised about? Or maybe like the tips and hacks when it comes to really making your budget work for you that people just don't even know about, especially like you're saying, like I myself, I did not grow up in a super frugal family. So for people who don't come from this background, what do you think are the things that are most surprising? Uh, well, some of the feedback I have gotten is something that is, is so simple. And a lot of these are just basic homekeeping tips, too, that can help you save money. One of the things is washing your laundry in cold water. Yeah, I have had people shocked about that. Now, I will say, and I say this in the book, I 
always wash my cloth diapers on hot. Although I've had some preliminary readers tell me that they wash their cloth diapers on cold. But things like cloth diapers, yeah. So I I still, you know, you're dealing with poop. So yeah, I still wash my cloth diapers on hot and anything that's heavily soiled or just like bed sheets and stuff like that. But everything else from the time I've gotten married, I have always washed everything on cold. So when I was writing this book, I thought, okay, I think this saves money, but I'm going to do a little research and I'm going to make sure before I put that out there. And I did, I did some research research and it was because of the energy it takes to heat the water that you are actually saving a significant amount of money over the long haul when you wash all your clothes on cold water and uh, as another tip it's just try to always run full loads of laundry when you can because it just reduces the energy so you know you're helping the environment you're helping your bottom line and if you wash on cold you actually can be cutting the energy your washing machine uses by nearly 90% Whoa, I had no idea. Which, That's huge. I know, girl. I had no idea either. So I, like I said, I, I did this. I've done it for 13 years, but then I wanted to back it up. And when I did that, my mind was blown. So, yeah. you know, and each, each little tip, I give people an action step. And yes. I really want readers not to skim over those. So you could like sit down and read this book probably in a day. You know, it's about 200 pages, but each tip's very short. But in order to really see it bear fruit in your, your life, I would really encourage people, even if you sit down and read it, go back through it and take like one tip a day or one tip a week, you know. And so my action step for this one is start washing your laundry with cold water and watch your energy bill decline, you know, like compare month to month and see. And um, so that's a tip that I was really surprised that people did not know about. Something else, my favorite chapter to write in this entire book was the one called Provide for Healthcare Needs. Because girl, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, we I've, talked about this. <laughs> I was like, I'm, if you didn't bring this one up, I was definitely going to bring it up because this has been huge for our family. But you go ahead. It was my favorite chapter to write because it's really been a mindset shift for our family this past year because we've been self-employed for the first yes, time. Yes, So yes. we don't have traditional health insurance, and that is a scary leap. Yes. Uh, we had, you know, my husband, when he was teaching, uh, we still had to pay $800 out of pocket every month, mm-hmm. which was a huge burden for us. So then for the first five months when he, when we became self-employed, we were on COBRA, mm-hmm. which was like 1200 a month. Yes. Because you had COBRA because I was pregnant. So then we switched to a health share plan. And I think you and I have both. We have the same. Do you guys have Liberty Health Share? We're on Liberty. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are too. So um, that we, we pay less than 500 a month for a family of six. You guys probably have the same plan as we do. It's, it's right in that range. Yes. Because yeah. so we also, I'm self-employed. My husband is self-employed. He and a business partner own their own um, financial advising firm. And so, Aaron, this was such a huge shift for me too, because I grew up with um, a father who was the, he was the main provider for our family. And he worked for the, um, he worked in the public health division of the U.S. government. So we always had like full insurance coverage for everything. It was never a thing that I thought about. And then through the years with Kyle and I being in education, we always had access to health insurance plans through the, you know, the various institutions we worked for. And then when he moved to financial advising, again, working in corporate America, it's something that you just kind of don't think about a lot of the time. It's like, well, the, this is the plan that's offered when they're walking you through. HR is walking you through all the forms and you're signing all the things. You just kind of do it. Well, mm-hmm. because of changes in healthcare in the past few years, it got to the point where for a family of six, 
our health insurance premium each month was going to be more than our mortgage. And yeah. that was the point where we were like, well, what are we going <laughs> to do? <laughs> now, you point this out in the book, and, and I think it's important to say, we are fortunate in the fact that we don't have none, none of our six people in our family have any pre-existing conditions. And so mm-hmm. for us, making the move from a conventional health insurance plan to a health share plan was uh, it's a little scary because you're like, what's I don't even know how to do this. I barely knew how to do it with insurance. <laughs> and now we're doing yeah. it, you know, through this health share. But we did we were in a position to where we we're like, okay, this makes financial sense for our family. And So what we did was started, we took some of the difference of what we had been paying for Mm -hmm. our health insurance premiums, and then took the difference that we now pay towards our health share. And we kind of made like our own health savings account with the, with the difference in money there. So that because you do pay, uh, you know, upfront and out of pocket for healthcare needs when you are on a health share plan, we have something to dip into and draw from. And yeah. it has made a huge difference in our budget and in our feeling of financial freedom. We have discovered so many mm-hmm. things that are like, oh, I never knew this was a thing. But when you just do a little digging, like I know you talk about, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but I just get really excited about this <laughs> because I feel like this was all brand new information that I found out when I was like 40 years old. Yeah, girl, me too. But so now, like, our we take our kids to, we happen to have access here in Oklahoma City, very close by to the University of Oklahoma uh, College of Dentistry. And so we can mm-hmm. take our kids there for their dental care. It's fantastic dental care and so much cheaper. And these are things that we never would have found out if we had stayed on our conventional insurance plan. Yes. Absolutely. And I will say with Liberty Health, you know, and I list several of them. Yes. We pay a little bit less than 500 a month. And I think you guys are probably on the same plan, families of six. We have to pay the first 1500 yes. of anything for anyone out of pocket. And so that would be kind of like your deductible, you know, they call it an annual unshared amount. Yes. But after that, like my husband had an ambulance visit to the ER this year and they paid it all. Yes. It has been such a blessing. Um, now, pre-existing, that, that's going to be the tricky thing for people. Um, and we do have a few pre-existing things. And I've kind of held my breath this year. But in May, we will have been with Liberty for a year. And that particular health share plan, uh, they will cover up to 50000 of it after the first year. I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that. I didn't know that. And, and then after three years, it's not considered. So I list several in my book. And these are all faith-based. So you do have to have the Christian faith for the ones that um, I did research on. But I do believe there's some more out there. Maybe, I don't know if you'd want to, we could have a discussion in the sort of awesome group. Because yeah. I do think that there's a, a rise in these share plans. So even people of other faiths can get hop on a health share plan yes. because premiums are just increasing so much. These, these health share companies are popping up all over the place. Definitely. Yes. Something else I was shocked about is that those little RX cards that come in the mail, those prescription discount cards that I used to just plop right in the recycling bin. Yeah. They really work. They really they, do work. Yes. They <laughs> totally work. So I had a kid with an ear infection the other week and I'm pretty crunchy, but I, it was just rough. And we decided to get an antibiotic, which we rarely do. I gave them my RX card, my good RX card. And sure enough, it shaved $13 off of it. Yes. And so don't, yeah, (laughs) they really do work. So there's so many different things that you can do that I wouldn't have thought about before we were self-employed and looking into different ways to save money on healthcare. 
Definitely. I think that is such a big surprise for so many people. Um, and because it's also a big chunk out of a lot of people's budgets. And so mm-hmm. that's some that's something if it takes a little research, and it does take a, like you said, a little bit of a leap of faith to do it. <laughs> but then yeah, so far so good for both of our families, it sounds yes. like. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I just I think that is so helpful because truly our healthcare costs can really be one of the biggest things. That and housing, it seems like, are the two big line items that especially when you have a family and you're you've got kids to look after and to house and all of those things, so it could really take up a lot in your family's budget. Yes. And so two tips that I have for um, housing, I would say one thing that is kind of controversial, at least for our parents' generation who believed You have to buy a house as soon as possible. Otherwise, you're throwing money down the drain. One of my tips is rent until you can afford a home. Mm. And I have even had friends. I know of at least two families that are friends of ours that have actually sold their homes recently and gone back to renting. Really? So they could pay. Yes. I know two families who have done this because they could pay off debt. Now, here's the thing that I didn't realize when we bought our first home and and more than just making I talk about the home that we lost Mm -hmm. was that sure, your monthly mortgage might be the same or maybe even less than rent, but you have to factor in the cost of home maintenance, right? You know? And so when you buy a house, are you going to have to replace that roof? Mm -hmm. You you may not have to. Roofs can last up to 25 years. But if you buy a house that has a 22-year-old roof, you better be ready to fork out five to $10,000 on top of whatever your monthly payment is. You know, we had to, thankfully, we moved in our house and had a brand new roof. We we actually wrote that into our contract. But we had to replace the whole HVAC system a couple years ago. We did too, Erin. It was so expensive. Yeah. We were It's like almost $5,000. Like it was so how much was yours? Ours was, it- was way more because oh we my live goodness, in a, really, yes, girl. Because we live in a nine, ninety-year-old house, yeah, and the entire HVAC system had been literally just duct taped together through the years. Mm-hmm. Everything was falling apart. The heater had gone out. The air conditioner like hardly ever worked. We had to replace the whole thing. It was over, like in the ductwork and everything is what I'm saying. It was over ten thousand dollars. We were oh. like. This is the most unfun way to spend $10,000 ever. (laughs) Yes, girl. Oh, my goodness. So I thought $5,000 was a lot. I thought it was a lot. So we had to replace ours a couple years ago. And our, we still have our original uh, water heater, which is about 20 years old now. And so I'm kind of just holding my breath <laughs> because that would be the third expense. So when you're looking at home expenses, it's yeah. kind of like the roof is usually going to be the most expensive than the HVAC, although those two might be pretty similar. And then the water heater. And, and then there's just regular home maintenance, you know, yes, like yes. just things that – you wouldn't have to do if you were renting. Mm-hmm. You know, when we mm-hmm. rented for four years, we rented a townhouse, we had to do zero yard work. Right. So not only were we saving money from having to keep up the yard, but it was also time, you know, we could kick back on a Saturday instead of doing that yard work. So I think it's a mindset shift from the generation before us. And our family's very happy to own the home we have now, as I think yours is too. But if you're really struggling, you may want to consider renting, selling your house, paying off your debts and renting if you can afford the monthly rent um, in order to really save on expenses if you can't afford those costs of home ownership. And something else when you're looking to buy a house, 
be willing to flex your location. Right. Now, sometimes you you may not be able to flex your location because you really want your kids to be in a certain school system. And that's understandable. But if your kids, you know, if there is an option of like one of two really good school systems, that's kind of where our family is. Or if your kids go to private school or charter school or if you're homeschool, whatever, and you can flex your location, consider doing that. So our family is currently just kind of dabbling with the idea of moving to a slightly bigger house eventually, because we do have a son now and three daughters mm-hmm. and things are getting slightly tight. Um, so we're actually looking in the next town over. Mm-hmm. It's the same county, but it's out in the county. It's this little tiny town, but it's it really is basically the same community. But we would save thousands of dollars every year because the taxes are lower. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So. And the homes are lower. Like we're talking, we could buy the same house and the house and the town we live in right now and spend minimum $100,000 to $150,000 more if Mm. we stayed in the same town just on the cost of the home. Yes. So being willing to just look five minutes down the road, you might be able to literally save hundreds of thousands of dollars over the long run. I think that this one is so huge because like I said, so much of our budget goes towards these things, healthcare and housing. I think that for housing, there's so much more of this emotional component. Like it's really easy. Like you said, first of all, if you have your parents kind of trying to guide you along the way, they may be encouraging you in some, in some things that were really important to them when they were buying homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can kind of get our identity tangled up in it a little bit. Like, oh, I live in this neighborhood or in this suburb or this school district or whatever. Even just the idea of being a homeowner versus a renter. I think there's still so so much like sort of negative connotation towards renting. I grew up, my family always rented because my, because my dad's job, we had to move, we had to move every three or four years. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there's like this thing of almost feeling like others are going to judge you or look down on you if you're a renter. But the, I really do think the reality is most people are not really that invested right. in your life decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if so, they are, that's their problem. That not yours. is their problem. Yes. They have to pay your bills. You know, I, I totally relate with this because 13 years ago, we were the newlywed couple who was renting a house and everyone in our Sunday school class or so we thought, you know, that was our little bubble at the time. They all were homeowners and we weren't. And so what did we do? We bought a home. And what happened two years later? The Great Recession. And what happened? We lost the home. And so you just got it. One of my tips is say goodbye to the Joneses. Yep. We can't, you know, it's, it's a mindset shift of being content with what we have and not wanting what, what everybody else has Yes, and living out of our own callings and what really makes us come alive, what's important to us and not what's important to everybody else. Yes. You know, and yeah. if you, if you feel like in your friend circle, you're going to be judged about the type of house you live in or, or the type of clothes you wear, or, you know, if you have a health share plan, whatever, <laughs> then you need to just get some new friends. I mean, seriously, like what happened to loving people for who they are and not what they have. And yes. so if you feel like you have to spend a certain amount of money to impress your friend circle, this is going to sound harsh, but I think you might need to say goodbye to those friends and get some new friends. Definitely. And it, I do think that we just can get so tangled up in it. But once you kind of identify what is the financial goal we're working towards, whether it is staying at home, whether it is being able to give more, you know, more generously to things that are important to you, whatever the thing is, 
when you get really super, super clear on that, I do think it helps you to start to untangle some of these emotional attachments that we have to our stuff or things that we feel like identify who we are um, that are costing us a lot of money to sort of keep up that appearance. So, And I think you're right. I don't think people are sitting, I think most people are not sitting there thinking, well, Meg lives in this 90-year-old house. I live in a brand new house. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think they're thinking that. I think they're thinking like about the, they have so much going on their own plates they're not thinking we think that people think way too much of us when yes. really they have time to analyze what you're spending and what how you're living you I know? know they're worrying about them their own selves in their own <laughs> yeah. you know things that they have going on I have found that to be so true as I've gotten older I've been more and more like oh that actually is true the thing that my mother always told me was true that people do not care that much about, you know, what you have going on. <laughs> it actually is true. <laughs> I do I do think it comes with age and maturity. And it's just a self-conscious thing. Sure. I mean, even with you and I are both, you know, sort of crunchy. And I can remember when I was a brand new mom thinking, oh, I, I, I'm embarrassed if my kid has a disposable diaper on right. out public. And now I put the pictures of my baby in disposable diapers on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I wrote a book about cloth diapering. And that's one of my tips in my new book. But you know what? Sometimes something's got to give. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Erin, I love it. Well, one of the things that people do love so much about you, about your online presence, about your message is that you're just super honest and super authentic to who you are. So I am so curious. Here you have created this amazing resource with 100 tips for people that you have tried out in various forms through the years. So I would love to know, Erin, honestly, of some of these things that you talk about in the book, what were some of the ones that were personally for you the hardest to let yourself try or to put into action? And then after we talk about that, what what have ended up being some of the most awesome things? But let's start with the hard stuff first. So the things that were hard for me to personally try at first, one of the things, you know, and not everybody listening to you has babies right now, but I became this cloth diapering fanatic. And so people probably think they're going to laugh to know I would have never, ever considered cloth diapering when my first child was a baby. Now, she didn't potty train until she was kind of older. So I still cloth diapered her, but not until she was two and until I had a second born. And it was really out of desperation that I even tried that because I had two babies and we were barely making it. And my friend was like, you should try cloth diapers. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not putting my hands on that poop. Well, you know what? You put your hands in poop with disposable (laughs) diapers too. You know, my son was wearing disposable diaper yesterday and I looked and I had poop all over my leg and all over my arm oh, and whatever. My gosh, and so yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Awesome. It just, but it's just the truth. And with is. motherhood, so that was one of those things that, you know, some of these tips you're like, mm, I'm not going to try it. And my, my advice to you is just, just try it once and yes. see, and you might surprise yourself. So something else that has been a struggle for me that I talk about in the book is meal planning, making it a habit. It will save you so much money, but I will tell you, it's a constant struggle for me still. And I even did an e-course on meal planning and everything, Megan, because I'm an ENFP. Mm-hmm. I know, but like routine and just structure, I, it helps me, but I fight yep, it. That's exactly I it. Fight it. I fight it because I'm like, no, this world is so boring when we have routines, but it helps you so much. And so I will say there are some of these tips that you've got to fight the resist the this resistance like Stephen Pressfield's the art yes. of the war of art or whatever yes, the, the book's called and he talks about resistance 
we have that in every part of our life, not just in work. We have it in our homemaking, you know, in our saving money. Meal planning is so important and it's so um, helpful, but I have to fight it. I have to really fight my leanings to, to not want to meal plan and just order pizza every night. But I'll tell you something that helps with that is just making our meal simple. I yes. do skillet meals and crockpot meals all the time. We think as women that we have to be Pinterest perfect, that we have to be Martha Stewart. You know, if you love to do those things and that's what you thrive on, then do them, girl. But if you're like, I just need to get food on the table and save my family money. Yep. That just makes some split meals. Yes. You know, it'll be okay. And I do that all the time. Something else, um, one of the tips that is really good that I've had to really reposition my mind is shopping secondhand and sales for things does come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But only shopping for them when I need to yeah. has had to be something to cultivate. So yeah. I grew up in a very family, but interestingly enough, my parents love to shop. We would go on vacation. We would drive out to see my grandpa on, on his farm in Missouri every year. So every outlet center from North Carolina to Missouri, we would stop at. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't love that when I was a kid. I would say, can I please stay in the car and read a book? Or like, I'm going <laughs> to, and I did. And they were like, okay, Erin was always, her whole childhood was her nose was in a book. But when I was older, you know, sometimes my mom will say, well, you should go to Target or Kohl's. They've got clearance. And sometimes I'm like, yes, I totally need to go because my kids actually need clothes. But if they don't, I don't need to go. Yes. You know, like we had a consignment sale, which is one of my favorite events of the year last week in my town. But I looked at my kid's closet. My my almost 10-year-old, she didn't really grow a whole lot from last year. I mean, you know, you got older kids. At one at a certain point, they stopped growing so yes. fast. Yes, it's so okay. true. Yeah. 10 to 12 clothes, you know, they're going to last for a couple of years. She didn't need any new clothes. My other girls didn't need any new clothes. I had enough clothes for my baby. And I'm like, you know what? I actually don't even need to set foot in there because I don't need anything. It doesn't matter if it's saving me money. If it's things I don't need, it's not saving me money. That is such an important lesson to learn. I fight this too because I'll get like emails from Hannah Anderson. Everything's 50% off. I love Hannah Anderson clothes. Mm -hmm. Well, the twins are really the only ones that even fit into my girls have grown out of the Hannah aesthetic. It's so (laughs) sad, Erin. It's so sad. But I can still dress the boys in it. But the twins, because we have a very generous generous neighbor who also has twin boys a few years ahead, she gets all of their hand-me-downs. They're in amazing condition. The twins have more clothes than anybody in our family. And so, but then I get these Hannah Anderson emails with the 50% off and I'm like, in free shipping. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But no, they don't need a thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter how cute it is. They do not need a thing. So yeah. the, the you know, struggle is real. <laughs> the struggle is real. And that's with my son. He had so many hand-me-downs. I knew I didn't need to go look for him at that sale. So here's one of my tips. Be disciplined without being legalistic. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for example, I did buy something from Hannah Anderson back in December. Do you know what I bought? I bought the pajamas for my kids for next Christmas. Ooh. Because believe it or not, my girls are out also out of the cutie stage, which actually makes me so sad because my youngest girl is five and a half. She'll be six this summer. And they kind of are following what the older ones do. Oh, so my oldest yes. is 10 and they're like, we're not wearing hair bows or ruffled pants. You got to be kidding me. So it's sad, but they will wear the matching pajamas yes. at Christmas. Yes, totally. So for me, being disciplined without being legalistic. So legalism would be like, nope, 
can never buy anything from Hannah Anderson ever again. Mm-hmm. And my discipline choice was I'm going to use this coupon and buy some clearance pajamas and then be done with it for a while. Right. You know? Yes. And so that's what I did. And I got them big enough so they'll be able to wear them a couple Christmases. The girls will at least. Yeah. And so there's ways that you could still do those things, but just not go crazy over them. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that is the trick right there for sure. For sure. Okay. So what are some of the things? I mean, that's very awesome right there there? Are there other things that have ended up being like surprisingly awesome to you as you've discovered them through the years? So Meg, I will tell you, I would have never saw myself as creating like my own cleaners. Mm-hmm. And that is the chapter I have in the book, really simple things that are not going to take you long. You probably already have the ingredients or at least most of them in your cabinets, but creating your own non-toxic cleaners. So, you know, when I had kids, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want to bring all these toxins into the home, but seventh generation and all these other brands are expensive. And I'm not going to say I never use those. I do. I have a lot of credits from Grove Co. And, you know, I love them, (laughs) but You could save so much money creating your own cleaners with some Castile soap, baking soda, vinegar. And so I have a whole section of DIY recipes in there. I have foaming hand soap, air freshener, soft scrub, toilet bowl cleaner, floor cleaner, all-purpose cleaner. Just several things that I would have never have seen myself doing, but that I do. And I shocked myself because I'm not a super crafty or DIY person. Right. But these things are so easy, but they save you hundreds of dollars. And something else that really surprised myself, um, it really surprised me in this whole journey to, you know, just being able to create more margin for my family so I could stay at home. And, you know, for someone else listening, maybe so they could just have more money in their budget, like you said, to give is creating more income. Yes. Using my gifts. That was probably one of my favorite. That and the healthcare were my favorite chapters to write because I truly believe that we are all gifted and that those passions that really made us come alive as little girls. So those are things that we can use to bring in income for our family. I mean, I imagine Megan, you have such a a encouraging, bright personality and podcasting wasn't even a thing when you were growing up or (laughs) when your girls were little, but just how like you've been able to use this God given passion and talent to encourage other people around the world and help your family. And for me, it's been writing for somebody else. It might be making art in some way or, or being a home organizer. There's so many different things that you can do to help bring in money for your family, whether it's a side gig. So you could stay at home with your kids. Maybe it's a side gig you could do with your kids. If you're a working mom, maybe on the weekends, you guys all go and do photography together or something. I don't know what it is, but there's so many things that we can do that can really bring us self-fulfillment, but also increase our bottom line. Absolutely. Yes. And well, I mean, your story that you really lay out in more than just making it your first book really shows how true that can be just the way that you have developed these things. And it came along at just the right time, as technology was developing and all of these things, you just never know what could be around the corner. So this has been so fun, Erin, you are always a joy to talk to always. You guys, the book comes out today, it's called You Can Stay Home With Your Kids. And I know that title is going to speak to a lot of people, but even if that is not your current financial goal, 
This is a fantastic resource. You know what, too, Erin? This would be a really great gift book, especially as we're going into wedding season. If you know a young couple that's just starting out, this book, you guys, I wish somebody had given me one concise thing filled with all of these resources when I was a newlywed. We could have made some drastically different uh, decisions with our family's finances if I had had something like this. So I think it would be a fantastic gift for a couple. And you can give them the caveat, even if you don't think staying home is in your future, this is filled with great budget, <sighs> budget um, inspiration for any family, for any person, really. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about the book. And yay. well, thank you so much for having me, girl. I really appreciate it. And I hope that your listeners will just be encouraged. And you know, if they want to stay at home, or if they just want to create more margin in their budget that I hope that they'll find the book helpful. Definitely. Well, Erin is a member of our Hangout community on Facebook, but Erin, remind us where else we can find you if we want to reach out and talk and connect and talk about some more of this stuff. Yeah, they could find me at thehumbledhomemaker.com. And I'm on Facebook. My favorite social media though now is Instagram at thehumbledhomemaker. They can DM me on there or they can comment on one of my posts. Um, I am on the Hangout group. Oh, and they can also find the book at youcouldstayhomewithyourkids.com. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, you guys, you know, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can always find the podcast over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. Links to Aaron's books and all of this information will be in the show notes for this episode at SortaAwesomeShow.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.